Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. We are joined by yet another guest this week. Uh, he is a man of many words and very few bones. A man who defies all introductions. It's Theo. Hello, yes, my name is Theo. Pronouns are he, him. Uh, and Oh, sorry, that's my boneless body. It's it's a bit of a hassle when I record. I don't know how I've hit it on my pot. Oh, Jesus, there it goes again. <laughs> oh, Shit, hold on, I gotta tape this down. <laughs> so, Theo. Yeah? Why are you here? Uh, well, I heard this was the place for rebooting things, and I had, hold up, just finishing taping that. I definitely don't have tape stuck <laughs> on my hands from that bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard this was the place to reboot things, and I had an absolutely wonderful idea that I definitely had before asking you if I could be on this show. Great. <laughs> uh, so I want to, I want to, I want to ask, I want to ask y'all a question. When y'all think, you know, all famous, famous fantasy series that like defined the modern genres, what was the first thing that comes to mind? I mean, Granddaddy Tolkien's work, so. You're right, but it's the wrong answer, and we all know it. The real best answer <laughs> is The Chronicles of Narnia by Clive Staples Lewis. Ah. I have no notes. God's persona. So I'm these intros. <laughs> yeah, that was my hint. <laughs> and I think, I think before we go any further, now that that hint is out in the open, and I think this can be the name of this episode, I need to offer sincere apologies to my mom, because this is... <laughs> she. Uh, oh, no. I like these books. But she also adores these books, and I'm way more willing to riff on the things I genuinely adore than she is. I'm about to get... I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be probably proposing things that she does not like. <laughs> <laughs> My mom also adores these books and the movies. My mom also read these books to me when I was seven, so... Oh. Yeah, my mom did the same thing. My mom and dad, like, this was one of our rotating, like, bedtime story things. Uh, and then one mm -hmm. time, my mom saw that I had, like, let my dinner get cold watching Spongebob, so she made me start reading all the books on my own, and I didn't remember <laughs> anything about them. Then I reread them when I was 23 and started to remember things about them. <laughs> uh, and now I've reread them for this event, along with two more C.S. Lewis books for additional spicy context. Uh, cause I just happened to- open. Wait, you- you read them for this? I only asked you to be on here, like, three weeks ago. Yeah, I am- I try really hard at things with absolutely no consequence at the, on the real world. Also, put, like, those books aren't big, so... That's true. What, maybe 150 pages? Still. Uh, each one is, like, roughly 180, like, on average. Okay. I wonder how much stuff we're gonna change that was proposed to him by, like, other members of the Inklings. Who- who frickin' knows? Um, but I do, but now I think, I think I'm sort of belaboring the point of how I set up for this. The initial thing I want to brought up, because Lindsay, you brought up that these were most famously adapted as a aborted series of movies <laughs> back in the, back in the, 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 the aughts. Uh, and like, I think maybe. Disney tried. Yeah, like maybe starting, I don't remember when like Voyage of the Dawn Treader came out. Uh, but yeah, like almost into the 2010s. And then they realized that there is an, there is an innate foolishness. In trying to do a series of live-action movies featuring children characters, over, like each releasing three mm -hmm. years apart, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna you're gonna get to the final book where they all come back, and they're gonna each be like forty years old by the time you finish the series. <laughs> so, so this proposes an immediate solution to trying to do these live-action films. You don't make them animated, but I reject that. I reject that 
proposal. I don't think this is fixed by just making them animated and getting whatever voice actors whose voices don't age. The elephant in the room regarding Chronicles of Narnia, and it's that a lot of people our age just kind of don't like them anymore. Like, they kind of just, like, kind of get uncomfortable when you bring them up. Uh, and prefer things like Golden Compass, which was written in response to Chronicles of Narnia, essentially. Uh, and stuff like that. And it's like, the easy answer is just because they're very overtly Christian. And it's like, that kind of makes sense. But I think that's a bit of a reductive reason for, like, why people don't like Chronicles of Narnia. Because pe- people of our generation still love Veggie Tales. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, Veggie Tales was also really overtly Christian. Like, especially early Veggie Tales. But, like, people still love, they'll still share memes of Veggie Tales. There's still videos of people singing the, the bunny song and cheeseburger and shit like that. It's like, so I think it's not that Narnia was overtly Christian. I think it's the fact that it was a very absolutist story about Christianity, where like, and it makes sense that it was fairly black and white because this was for children trying to introduce theological nuanced debate to like eight year old kids is not a winning, is not a winning (laughs) prospect. But it does, does mean when you grow up and it's like everyone who questions Aslan and like the whole, all the Christian theming is either like one of the main characters and they're about to be corrected or they're explicitly one of the bad guys. Uh, And I think that's the reason people kind of drifted away from these. So what I propose instead for adapting Chronicles of Narnia in this modern day is that it's a turn-based RPG with Telltale Game-style dialogue trees. Oh, interesting. That that is, in a nutshell, that is my proposal for how you do Chronicles of Narnia now. You don't make it movies again. You definitely don't make it live-action I don't even think you animate it. I think you give, you make it a fun turn-based RPG, but give the player it, like opportunities to actually argue within the stories. Interesting. We're a video game podcast now. <laughs> am, am, I, am I the first person? Am I not the first person to bring up video game reboots? You're not the first person. In fact, I made a joke back in like November how I had been doing a lot oh, that, of video games recently. That's right, because y'all did. I listened. I listened to some of y'all let, y'all's episodes in preparation. Y'all did do Injustice and Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, and then and then just two weeks ago, Rem was here doing Final Fantasy: Dissidia Warriors. That is correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was that's the rough idea I've had now. We're, now, now that we've established a video game, we're gonna have to speed. We're gonna have to any percent speed run it and bust through how, in general, the seven books are are crushed into this into this big beefy video game experience. Okay, okay, right off the hop, I'm gonna suggest this: Horse and His Boy and Magician's Nephew are both DLC. They're they're not part of the main story. You can look at them after. I immediately disagree because ho- disagree because Horse and My ba- Horse and My Baby, Horse and His Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Got a tongue twisted. I was going to say, horse and my baby. Uh, horse and his boy is, with a big caveat that will be another pin we address later, uh, is my favorite one. Is it the racism? Yeah, it's the racism, which again, we'll address. I don't have an answer, but we'll address it. <laughs> the answer to racism is, don't. I mean, no, that's that's exactly, yeah. <laughs> don't worry. Well, I think I think we're getting to the end. We're putting the horse before the Narnia here. So let <laughs> We're putting the horse before the boy. We're putting the horse before the boy. In fact, I have another thing about horse and his boy. Uh, with so we have had a series of elephants we'll have to address for Chronicles of Narnia. That I want to get out the way. I'm not coming at this as like, haha, all along my chaos was the Trojan horse for which I'm about to evangelize to people about Chronicles of Narnia and Lion Jesus. <laughs> this is like this is a book series that I grew up with and enjoyed. And still enjoy with some major caveats, like a lot of mid and early 20th century media. Exactly. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but that actually tying into maybe not racism, but like a question that occurred to me when I was contemplating this is one of the next elephants in the room we have to address is that some people hearing Adapting Chronicles of Narnia were probably like, oh, you know, can't wait to see a bunch of a bunch more, you know, pasty white British uh, protagonists. And to combat that, what I have thought of, what I would propose for the for the four main characters is instead of them being the aforementioned pasty white British uh, children, is that they are instead still in the UK, but they are Middle Eastern immigrants, or at least the children of Middle Eastern immigrants. Okay. Because immediately, I think that's all, that, that helps with that, that like you are no longer just having this all white main cast, they are of a minority, but I think that even kind of like connects in a subtler way to the fact that this is, these are very Christian books because the Middle East has a very, like has had a history of a, like of Christian populations. It was where Jesus was in Palestine and like branching out from that area. So I'm like, I have nothing else. I think it has a better connection than <laughs> than all the pevensies of the Church of England. The Church made explicitly so Henry VIII could fuck, <laughs> <laughs> and he only used the divorce once. <laughs> so you're making these explicitly Christian video games? Not necessarily explicitly Christian in that like I I think it's one of those things where. I'm not, I wouldn't advertise like, look at this, look at this Christian edutainment games. But like, <laughs> I don't think there's a way you can extract the Christianity out of Narnia without just destroying the story. Like, no, it's for like, sure. But I'm thinking of the movies where, I mean, maybe it's just because I was more distracted by the fantasy elements than trying to glean the Christian subtext from the films. But I felt like the films, especially the first two, were more about like, growing up and like family and stuff then i mean those are obviously christian things in general but like you know every religion is like hey be a good person and care about your family no i think i i, I was bringing up more the like the how like the middle east like being from the middle east i think connects like more like more directly more interestingly to the history of christianity more as like a no yeah for sure than like this this will not be like a subplot of my of this video game <laughs> this happens no, yeah, to be I, something that occurred to me um, I get that, yeah, and I'm I'm not disagreeing. Like, obviously, we should absolutely have the Middle Eastern Pevensies. Um, I was just thinking of oh, that. Did you say Pevensies? I thought it was Pevensies. I, I mean, the Pez dispensers. They can, <laughs> <laughs> you can have the themes without making it so like blatant. Yeah. No, I think I think and, that's fair. Yeah. I think I'd like to think we're on the same page with that. I don't. I, <laughs> uh, but no, that actually. But then that ties into. Going from that, and this might be... I want to preface before we go any further. If this game got made, we would definitely need to get, like... You would definitely need to get a very diverse writing crew, or at minimum, a lot of consultants and, like, sensitivity readers for the script. Oh, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. part, like, And to even mention that, it's like, I think for the purposes of this pitch, we go on calling them, you know, Peter, Susan, Edward, and Lucy... Uh, just because I don't want to try and figure out, like, Middle Eastern equivalents for those names, because I am very white and very English-speaking. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, honestly, the, in the game, they would probably have those first names as well. Um, especially because if they're immigrants, there's a good chance that they may have changed their names to fit in, but they would probably retain a Middle Eastern last name. Yeah. Um, and actually, onto that note, the next step, the next immediate step, small detail, but, like, keeping... Hewing to the premise of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the first book, and no, it's the first book is not Magician's Nephew. Anyone who orders the books in, like, chronological story order... Oh, yeah, that bullshit? No. They're yeah. wrong. <laughs> I feel like whoever, like, if hadn't that, later saw the movie Memento and was like, what the fuck? 
like <laughs> out of order storytelling. <laughs> like I think they saw that movie and fucking like called the cops. Because <laughs> whoever was like, we need to put these back in chronological order. That's the only way to tell a story. Ugh. Oh Christ! Back when I could go to the bookstore and I was in the children's section, I would see like the the collected editions or like the set of books oh, and i yeah. almost had this impulse to rip open the the cellophane and rearrange them into the proper publication order <laughs> you cannot <laughs> stop me borders employee <laughs> i will be heard <laughs> lewis speaks through me <laughs> getting dragged out the door uh, anyway <laughs> you're not doing a great job of speedrunning these because I think it's been like 20 minutes and we're still talking about the first one. So anyway, <laughs> we started in World War II. Yeah, well, no, see, 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 that's the immediate next point I want to bring up is that I, the because it's like in the original line of the Witch Wardrobe, the reason they're in the country visiting uh, Professor Kirk, who I don't think is even named until the later books, he's just the professor in that one, but whatever, is that, yeah, it was the children were evacuated out of London during the Blitz and sent out into the countryside. Um, but I, it's like, I'm not a good enough historian to know if that was also done, like, regarding non-white English children. Uh, uh, I, th well, so I think it was kind of a universal thing where it's just like, get the kids out. Because um, I know that Britain also took on, uh, there was the kinder transport where they took on like a couple thousand Jewish children refugees and they also got sent in, out into the country. Though the older ones, some of them wound up in foreign national camps for a bit, but then got, mm. if they had certain skills, they were like, hey, join the army or join the WAF or some of them wound up being SAS commandos. Nice. Um, well, I... We can, in that case, we might be able to stick with World War II, but what I was originally thinking of, and this would be more an implication than outright stated, because even in the book, it was more, you would have to pick up on the fact that it was like during the Blitz, because they don't explicitly say, wow, I'm glad we're in the countryside during the Blitz. It's like not till the later books. They're like wherever, like ambiguous time period, but that basically there were like incidences of like, like of racism against them and their family while in like urban London and the fa the parents are like oh shit like let's get the fa we have a friend out in the countryside let's get the kids over to the friend like well, until this shit blows over I mean it could easily be both too hmm. I, I suppose I'm proposing the latter one because a again I'm not as I wasn't I'm not enough of a historian and I wasn't gonna do I know I went the extra distance reading a shitload of books but I wasn't <laughs> going to try and like talk about British history this would like I figured this sidestepped that problem, but also allowed for the opportunity to like modernize it slightly. Yeah. Not like an obnoxious, like, Oh look, we got smartphones now, but like just if the, like just have that option, especially aesthetically, cause I haven't even brought up the aesthetics I was picturing for this. Okay. The aesthetics I pictured just for the art style itself would be something like Harpy G or someone similar on Twitter, like of that sort of art style, like clearly anime inspired, but like with its own sort of uh, trajectory. That can be argued, but I like that art style, and I don't want it just to be hyper-realistic, like the Witcher-style, you know, forests and sword fights. Like, I would like something a little, I think something a little more cartoonish would be more appealing. Also, I just like cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, like, the, but that, that setting makes a lot of sense, too, and would still give justification for, like, the Ed Edmund or equivalent betraying them on account of, I've never had a chance to eat Turkish Delight. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually oh i hadn't even thought about that 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 could be a detail yeah what we include 
Because um, a lot of a lot of people went back on Edmund's sign. It, like people who are still into Narnia, the, they're um, defending Edmund because listen, it was the Blitz. Chocolate was a myth. I had ne- okay that detail I had never thought about. Yeah, um, a lot wow. of this is a this is a Narnia lore <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> Basically, a lot of stuff was uh, rationed because while Britain has like this international empire that they can food from from like all over the world. It still had to get through the wolf packs of the North North Atlantic. Uh, see that and, part I do know about because even though I'm not a like Britain historian, uh, I did read uh, Connie uh, Connie Willis's books, which are a lot of like time travel books, and one of them is explicitly during the Blitz, and they talk about that a lot. Okay, but I had never put that two and two together. Of that's why Edmund was so horny for that Turkish delight because he yeah oh yeah there's no would not have had the chance for candy. Oh, there is like no sugar in Britain at this yeah. point. There's so many people on Tumblr who have just straight out said, yeah, if I was a 12-year-old in the middle of the Blitz who had never seen chocolate for the past three years, I would absolutely sell out my family. Uh, Actually, while we're talking about the siblings individually, this is a meaningless change to some extent, but I just like it. I want to swap Susan and Peter in the sibling order and make Susan like the new oldest sibling. Good. More Susan writes. Yeah, because th- yeah, don't. If anyone's listening to this and wondering, because that's actually the secret tenth thing I read was I did read Neil Gaiman's The Problem of Susan, and if you're sitting there going, "What about the problem of Susan?" We are going to address it by not having it. <laughs> that I will just spoil <laughs> that surprise. No problem of Susan. We're should we take a sidestep to explain problem of Susan, or wait till we get to the end of the series? Um, how about we do it right now? Uh, so basically, Susan kind of got shafted at the end of the series. And uh, she wasn't on the train crash that took her to Narnia because apparently she kind of grew up and got involved. She was more interested in hose and lipstick and people have cried foul for a while. I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I know that C.S. Lewis had a big atheist period in his life and maybe he was trying to maybe his idea was that she was going to go on a similar spiritual journey that he had to go through. I would buy that maybe he had inklings of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just he never put it into text. He did imply that he wanted to write an eighth book that was about Susan and her eventually getting to the country of Aslan, which is the furry heaven. <laughs> God. <laughs> but, but yeah, he never actually put pen to paper. <laughs> uh, I think that's, yeah, that's roughly the problem of Susan. It was essentially Lewis as an author falling into the trap of wanting to support a theme over the story. And so the story suffered because he wanted to make a point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing I compare that to, of all things, is the movie Dodgeball. Because that was a near <laughs> miss case of the exact same bullshit. Because uh, the, for the movie Dodgeball, originally the director wanted to have an ending where the protagonist team lost the final big match and they only saved Average Joe's gym by a lucky jackpot in Vegas because it's a true underdog story and the underdogs lose and the executives watched this like read this over or watched whatever cut they had or what have you and they were like yeah no like that fucking sucks and they were right because the like so yeah that was that was a case where no one stopped Lewis he wanted to make a point you want to be like aha like you have to because that that's actually the one thing I do dissent from the popular opinion on is I think like within Lewis's own morality a lot of people try to say that it was like oh because Susan started getting into like sex and whatnot that she was kicked out of Narnia I don't think that's the case I think it's that I think the point he was trying to make even if I still think it was a bullshit point to try and make was that she stopped believing in Narnia because when the like the final prince of Narnia asks yo where's Susan the first thing they say is not she's having sex now the first thing they say is she keeps talk like that she keeps saying Narnia didn't happen we bring up Narnia and she's like oh what wonderful games we had 
Uh, the Virgin so I, Peter versus the Chad Susan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I was not expecting that. <laughs> but so yeah, my it's it's an ostensibly meaningless change, but right back, yeah, Susan is new oldest sibling, and Peter kind of takes on some of her like the traits she had, where she becomes the new the new big sibling. Um, yeah, and actually. Uh, we could probably pull... So, during the Reformation, there was kind of, like, two strands of thoughts within the Protestant world about, like, uh, God's grace and whether or not, like, God just gives you grace no matter what you do, or could it be given and taken away by your actions? And the Arminians had this view that God can give you grace, or he can take it away, and also you can reject God's grace uh, for whatever reason. And the Calvinists, who seem to have won out in the Protestant grace wars, are like, no, you you are either given grace or you're not given grace, no matter what you do. Predestination. Which see, is this fucking is... bullshit. <laughs> well, see, this is where my weaknesses in terms of like Christian theology come into play, <laughs> is that I know next to nothing about what separates Protestants from another, one another, other than uh, Church of England, again, was so Henry VIII could bone down. Because I was raised and still identify as part of the Greek Orthodox Church or the Eastern ah. Orthodox Church more broadly. Uh, so that's like the one area I'm into. And so that's where I, if I usually get into like any theological distinctions, it's usually trying to figure out how Greek <laughs> Orthodoxy differs from Catholicism. And yeah. that is one that it you basically have to be like the Christian equivalent of a lawyer to parse at a certain <laughs> point. I don't understand what caused the Great Schism. I'm not sure I ever yeah. will. Oh, that one was about leadership. Pure and simple, really. Um, simple and clean? Yeah. Hey, sim- <laughs> but um, yeah, a bit of background on me. Um, so my degree is in history, and I spent a lot Ooh. of time in like um, the early, the late medieval to early modern period, because that Ooh. period is really fascinating. And my minor is in religious studies. Tanner also has a minor in religious studies, but they got to do all of the more East Asian religions. I was mostly doing Christianity. Because those are the available classes. So I'm literally the least, I have the least right to talk on these things of this, of this period right now. <laughs> also, I did enough. my family genealogy, and we have been hardcore Protestants since the fucking beginning. <laughs> and to be fair, I've forgotten about 80% of the, everything I've learned in university. Nice. Oh, you, oh that's right, you're Canadian. Um. <laughs> Here in America, we call it college, and we're going to debt for it. And specifically, <laughs> they are an English major. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what? Well, uh, I mean, my my majors, because uh, I dual majored, was English and Management Information Systems. Because I wanted to be half. A, I wanted to be half of a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> which went now? Which major was the douchebag major? I'll never tell. <laughs> well, I I did find out that the answer to what do you do with a BA in English is you start a podcast or three or four. <laughs> I found out what you do with the B with the BA in uh BA in management information systems is work at tech companies and let your soul die. <laughs> Feel your soul seep out of your body. What do you do with the BA in history? Well, you <laughs> somehow wind up working in politics. So actually to 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 sharply overcorrect us back into Narnia. Uh, I want to address one thing that Tanner, you might have wondered why I asked you how shitposty I could get, and that's because of one idea that is now a complete shitpost, but I have to just put it out in the world, was uh, replacing Mr. Tumnus with Sonic the Hedgehog. 
even if, even if just imagine happen, Lucy. Someone's gonna mod that. Yeah, Lucy just stumbles through the wardrobe and he's like, "What? It's it's a it's a lamppost. What's that?" And she looks over and what's that? Zoom! In the back of the other way, zoom! And there just stops a little blue hedgehog. Like, whoa, a daughter of Eve. <laughs> <laughs> whoa! And then like later and later in his hovel, he's like, "I'm a bad hedgehog." I work for the White Witch. It's always winter, never Christmas. <laughs> this is me secretly auditioning for Sonic the Hedgehog since Roger Craig Smith is retiring. <laughs> this is my backdoor audition tape. <laughs> so, so Theo, remember when uh, you remember Sonic and the Black Knight? Oh, I fucking am afraid of where this train of thought is going. So why don't we just make the entire Sonic in the Chronicles of Narnia? And the Pevensies are still human, but everyone else is Sonic characters. And yes, that does mean that- wait, would the White Witch be Eggman or would the White Witch be Rouge? (laughs) Eggman, would you like some Turkish delight? I literally have no speech. I am without words. I- I- the Sonic the Hedgehog boy- did not expect this to be the direction we took. <laughs> Don't quote the deep magic to me, witch. I was there when it was written. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if I want if I don't know if I'm brave enough to go down this path. I don't know if I have the courage and the wherewithal. <laughs> oh my god. We replace uh, we replace Prince Caspian with the girl from Sonic 06. Uh oh my god. Jesus. Oh holy Mary. <laughs> I I we're we're at a crossroads. I can either I can either go with you down this road. Or, or I can go back on my original plans. I genuinely don't know. I didn't expect this shit post to get this amount of mileage. I was literally just making a joke about replacing like one of the critical characters with a Sega crossover. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Um. And this listeners is where Tanner caused an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic and the Chronicles Sonic and the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe shit. Um The Hedgehog, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like it, but I do. See if you oh if you want to get slightly serious, it makes more sense to replace Reepincheep with Sonic. And then we can keep Mr. Tumnus and he can still be gay. <laughs> uh that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay, actually you know what? Yeah, I like this better. Reepincheep is Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> He's he we we promise we kickstart each individual episode as like additional bits and we're like pleading with Sega for the first for the first actually shit we would have to be pleading during Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe because Reaper Cheap shows up in Caspian. <laughs> I was like Sega, please we need we need this. Lewis would want this. <laughs> we don't let the Lewis the Lewis estate know. Like who is this blue hedgehog? It's like uh don't worry about it. <laughs> It's just a really, it's just Reba cheap from a really weird angle. <laughs> I honestly think you would enjoy it, given like all it. I'm more interested in Tolkien, but like he hung out with Tolkien, and they yeah, got they up were, to shit. Were, were, so yeah, they were dudes. They were bros. Yeah, 
Yeah, like they were they were some good they were some good good bros. Yeah, like apparently Treebeard is based off of Lewis. <laughs> and supposedly, I've only seen vague references to this, but like Professor Kirk was was somewhat based on Tolkien. Okay. I see it. And one particular scene that leads to another slight change uh, that I want to get to. God, we're really doing terrible at speedrunning these books. I'll have to pick up the pace after I'm done. After I'm done talking, I am the guest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Is uh, when when Father what if Father Christmas was like, man? Anyway, no, no, no. We're not doing Sonic. (laughs) Like fighting with myself now. (laughs) When they get to Father Christmas and he gives them all their gifts in the original book, he gives Peter that in. In that original, not in our updated re-release, uh, is given the sword and shield. And it's super cool. Susan is given the bow and arrow, and he gives the he gives the immortal line. Uh, I have this actually tabbed. I'm not going to use most of these tabs I have in these books. I just did them because I felt like it. <laughs> uh, it's like the battles are ugly when women fight. Ho ho ho! And it's like, oh fuck off. But instead, what I propose for the new scene is he shows up with gifts. And he starts like, oh, Susan, well, battles are always look ugly when women fight. And then there's just like dead silence all around. <laughs> and it comes back to Father Christmas. He's like, ho, ho, just kidding. Here's a Schweihander. And we give <laughs> we give Susan a giant fucking Claymore. That is, she becomes the tank of the party. Because <laughs> we haven't even addressed the gameplay aspects. And to be fair, I don't have a lot of plans. I have literally no notes. <laughs> I read all the books and took no notes. Uh, it's fine. We've come in with less. Yeah, that's yep. fair. Because uh, I suppose that'll be like to give it away. Since like to anyone who's not read the books, they like kind of change the cast of characters every time. I think that could play like played well. Be an interesting aspect of gameplay for a turn-based RPG. To, like over time, you actually have to pay attention to like constructing a decent strategy and like what what different party members bring to the table. Because certain party members will just not come back, and you'll be given a new party you'll have to deal with. Yeah, because for Don Treader, we exchange Peter and Susan for Cousin Eustace. Oh, one of the single greatest opening lines of any book ever. The Hold up, I have it again right here. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. <laughs> like, that's such a powerful opening line. <laughs> oh, there's just some names where you're like, oh, your parents didn't like you. Yeah, and that's one of them. Uh, yeah, like, but yeah, like that could be just a rotating cast of party members, and then like get and that could be if we want to like side quests you can do of a quote unquote original content to get other like backup party members. Because it's for the first one, it would be at the start because Ed, uh, Edmund just go actually no, the very first party would be Lucy and Mister Tumnus. Then we go for a bit. Then we have uh, Peter, Lucy, Edmund, and Susan. Then the beavers come in, but Edmund leaves, so we have the two beavers and the three remaining siblings. And then we just go like that. The start of Caspian, we get the four, but then Trumpkin shows up. Then we switch over to Caspian and his bullshit. <laughs> then we swap back to the Pevensies and their bullshit. Um, <laughs> we just keep swapping out. They all play differently. It's Yeah, you can get really creative with the groups. You said you said turn-based, but what if this, this was Narnia Tactics? I haven't played Final Fantasy Tactics, so I don't <laughs> I don't know enough what that means. Well, I mean, just the general idea of a tactics game where instead of it, like, you have the whole grid and then, like, it's still turn-based, obviously, but you, instead of, like, the whole party and, like, one monster or a group of monsters, it's, like, the whole party on one side and then, like, the army equivalent on the other side and you just approach and hack and slash. <laughs> I think that would be difficult just because there's only a couple actually big battles 
in the series. Most of them are like, for example, like the first real big fight in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that we would not just have to be inventing whole cloth would be the battle against like the wolf captain, like the Mogrim or whatever his name is. Oh, that's right. Uh, when, yeah. when Peter goes to fuck him up. It's like, I think I think it would be a little wild if it's suddenly like, what's up? I came with an entire wolf army. Get wrecked, shitheads. And they would just have a wolf in like a pugilist stance. Keep that aspect. I'm writing that down. <laughs> wolf pugilist. Quote unquote big. <laughs> anyway. That, uh, <laughs> that sounds like a Sonic character. God. <laughs> I I can't say I regret bringing the idea of Sonic into this. <laughs> I wonder if this is what they call an epiphany. <laughs> a religious experience. You're like, and I'm just too afraid to face it. God. Um, I'm trying to... Uh, I lost my train of thought. Does this happen a lot <laughs> when people come in without notes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Fair fine. Enough. It's it's almost the point of the show. <laughs> That's right. But I guess to address the other gameplay prospect I brought up, the fact that like I would want I or at least I think what would be more interesting would be a like di- an actual dialogue system. I don't know to what extent you could alter the stories directly, but also to be fair, in Telltale games, you often didn't have that deep an effect on the story. It was more <laughs> it was just more changing how characters felt about you and how like how you felt about what you did, which worked until it didn't, and I think it could be made to work again with the right writing. Full uh, renegade a- run of Chronicles of Narnia, you end up siding with Jadis. <laughs> See, yeah, something like that I think could be interesting, but would also be like, it would be hard to then have the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just end Narnia. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, like, because that was the thing with Telltale Games. I still remember when I kind of had the curtain come down and realized sort of the sort of saw the man behind the curtain uh was I Telltale's The Walking Dead is and was one of my favorite games ever. I thought it was a really good story. Uh it was had excellently written characters. And it was yeah, it was it was not anything like I'd played up to that point. And even though in the end you only had so much of an effect on the story, it disguised that really well because your choices could be about a variety of things. So it's like you didn't, you couldn't really notice a pattern of how it would like account for your different choices. But then season two, which I still overall liked, most every major choice was about whether or not someone died. So then it became readily apparent every time you say you quote unquote saved someone, they'd be dead within half an episode anyway. So it's like I want the framework that that idea of like being able to change, like at least again debate with. Stuff like like with characters like Aslan or other characters about Aslan, rather than just being like, "Yeah, that sounds good." Because again, I think that's kind of what turned people off of Narnia was that absolutism. Anyone who was against Aslan and all that was just evil, or they were a slightly, or they were an unambiguously misguided main character who would see the light by the end of the story. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, going back to Veggie Tales that presented a message, but it was not absolutist in your face. Like if you took the uh, the complete just blatant christianity out of veggie tales you'd still be left with some decent stories like some fun times whereas yeah, if you took the christianity out of narnia it would just fall apart but then if you put it back in as is it's just very absolutist and yeah people don't people especially of our age our of our generation do not like that and it's very understandable because yeah, even on the reread it's like there's just kind of like a lot taken for granted here yeah. Yeah, I think even a uh, devout Catholic J.R.R. Tolkien told Lewis to, you know, calm down on the Christianity a few times. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, so it's like, it would be, I think just having that opportunity to actually debate within the story and maybe not like change the entire course of it, but actually like not just go with it completely, just completely like no questions whatsoever. Uh, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but that's just my rough pitch for, like, the, the like, actual dialogue system, is allow people the chance to argue and make some choices. Well, that's uh, where... Including one at the very end that I'll get to when we get to that book. Yeah. Like, that's where having a whole bunch of consultants, like, especially, like, actual religious scholars, like, from religious studies and theology and all that, come in and be like, oh, these are, like, different ways of interpreting Christianity or just, like, Abrahamic faiths in general, like, different philosophical schools and all that and just like subtly put it in as different arguments like we don't have to have a whole like christian philosophy 101 lecture exactly and i'm not even yeah i wasn't even proposing that like to give a specific example where i think it's like the opportunity to challenge would have been more welcomed would be uh, what is actually kind of my least favorite of the series is the the silver chair because in that one aslan just kind of objectively sets the main characters up for failure <laughs> Like he he keeps gives them the signs, but then like they lack enough information that they keep fucking up the signs. Like a couple times they fuck up just because they're fucking up. But like the very first one he gives is like when Eustace comes into Narnia, he will see an old friend. You know, make sure he greets that friend. But then it turns out like however many years have passed, and Caspian is old man's like, how was Eustace supposed to realize anyway? How was before before Caspian fucked off? How was Eustace supposed to know? Yeah. Like, so, like, even just opportunities like that to be like, hey, Aslan, what the fuck? And not just take the, like, I, you know, I was guiding you on your way. To be like, no, you you set us up, dude. Like, <laughs> I know some people, like, who are more, uh, more fervently religious might take discomfort with that for the fact that Lewis was very emphatic Aslan was actually just Jesus in a di- like in a different form basically yeah not even a metaphor point, yeah like to the point that a mother wrote to him worried that her child who loved chronicles of narnia was starting to love aslan more than jesus he was like no don't worry about it like it's, <laughs> it is just jesus it's cool <laughs> uh so it's like even just stuff like that not even necessarily having like theological debates but just responding like being able to actually be like hey that sucks i don't like that you're doing this uh i think th- i think you're playing like kind of playing around with us too much mm-hmm. um so it's like <laughs> that that's kind of more where I was thinking. Yeah. yeah uh, like I think with Silverchair you don't have to have the whole uh Jonah and the belly of the whale debating God about what's fair, but <laughs> Yeah. Although we do have to have Silverchair because even though it is my least favorite of the stories by a slim margin, it does have my favorite character, our favorite gay alcoholic puddle glum. Yes. <laughs> now, is he actually gay? There's no evidence for it, but I say he is, and that makes it the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he is just pretty much an alcoholic. Like, it's not explicitly alcoholism, but like he's like the he's the only character in the stories who I can think of that actually gets shit faced, like at least once. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey he was played by tom baker on the bbc show oh shit <laughs> i mean yeah, he's he is my favorite character he's hilarious he's in my least favorite story but he's hilarious uh and he's like the one who does shit uh he's like he's he is all of us he's incredibly cynical while still like going and doing the right thing uh <laughs> he's just really fun he's a great character see so, yeah, that oh we've accidentally speed run all the way to silver chair uh See, we kind of just skipped over. I'm like, I'm sorry if my audio sounds weird. I'm looking over at the at my series on the side of my desk. Uh, Voyage um, of the Dawn Treader was like the 
travel log, basically. Yeah, that that's the one that's like, I think in some ways was the inevitable falling apart of the live action film series because it's a good book, but it's not a very good movie because it's not there's not like a single connecting plot. It's just more like, hey, what's up? We're checking shit out. Mm-hmm. Like it ends up forming a, a pleasant story, but it's not necessarily one that I think you can make a good, you know, compact hour and a half film without changing a lot. Yeah. Now. Horse and his boy. Horse and his boy. Now, this is the next, this is one of the next elephants in the room we'll have to address. Because like I said, with that elephant pushing out of the room (laughs) just for an instant, Horse and his boy is my favorite because it's like its own self-contained fantasy novel within this other, within this other fantasy series. Because it has no real world segments. It's fully within the fiction of Narnia. Uh, it's just, I think, a lovely little story, like maybe kind of formulaic, but I just really like it. Uh, and just, yeah, it's 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 such an odd one out compared to the others. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, before we move on to the before we move on to the racism elephant, one quick thing I want to bring in so we can have more explicit gayness. Uh, and also just the title. How how many words can you get in one title? Four. We've already used so many other words in all the other titles. I suggest instead of horse and his boy, we go with horse girl. i i mean if nothing else shasta already sound is like already a fairly androgynous name in my opinion like it's not explicitly so within the fiction because we don't have a a narnian book of baby names but like (laughs) i think if you just kept that name and then when when he discovers his true heritage later on change it from core to cora uh it's like you could easily have a female main character for that one Mm -hmm. but then you keep air of this and then it's, and then in the end with they, which I think is one of my favorite condensed, like, like romantic interludes toward the end when they talk about how they constantly got in fights and then had to make up to the point <laughs> that they just got married to make it easier. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> They're the original Takahashi sweet. couple long before Rumiko Takahashi accidentally invented harem anime. <laughs> I mean, essentially, yeah, like that's. Yeah, it's like, you know, Erebus also had many quarrels with Kor, but they always made it up again so that years later when they were growing up, they got so they were so used to quarreling and making it up again that they got married so as to go on doing it more conveniently. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's in that one sentence, but it's really sweet and really funny. Uh, <laughs> it's like a little sardonic, too, that like they realized they would make a good old married couple. So they started they got a head start on it. Uh, <laughs> uh but then, yeah, you you make Shasta a girl and you make it gay. So hell yeah. Yeah. Um, now, okay, elephant, back into the room. We have to address the fact that within the fiction of Narnia, there is we we start with a not a not totally offensive base of just having a like Middle Eastern slash like Arabian Nights whatever like sort of that whole that whole like mixing pot just smash into one culture, which is its own <laughs> its own bad shit. Uh. But then they like they're played as stereotypically as possible, which is like another step worse. Then it turns out they worship the literal manifestation of evil. Yeah. And it's like, that's just kind of the final nail in the racism coffin. That like they're kind of the faux philosophical, but actually like Lewis used this word an unfortunate amount, savage culture. Uh, I don't think he used it in the books itself, but he does He does use that word a lot in mere Christianity, and yeah, don't like it. Um, <laughs> so it's like, but the thing, the obvi- and as Tanner, you said correctly, the obvious answer is to not entertain keeping it in, just for the sake of, like, 
you know, for literal, uh, for lit- literary accuracy. Well, no, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say, like, cut it entirely. When I suggested that making Horse and His Boy and The Magician's Nephew DLC, I was saying that just because they don't really fit into the linear narrative of the Narnia books and the Pevensey Ch- Kids and Associates. And, like, the stuff like a side story happening concurrent to the main story and a prequel story, that is usually what happens in a DLC kind of situation. Oh, no, I was referring to the... I was not even referring to that. I was When I brought up the joke about the racism, you responded very accurately. The answer is to not have it in. Oh, yeah, I but was I was saying of, don't be racist, not don't be horse and boy. It, again, that I, that I grasp. My, my thing, though, the reason I was, like, the reason I was saying I don't have an answer was not because I was going to argue we should keep the racism in. It's yeah. more like... How we keep that, because the culture, the Calermines themselves are critical in the story to the point that they are one of the main inciters of the, of the end of Narnia in the last book. But I don't think it's as simple of an answer as just being, oh, well, they just won't be an Arab culture anymore. They'll be something, they'll be, oh, we'll do it like, oh, we'll flip the script and they'll be like the British culture. Because then it's like, okay, now you've just taken all of the non-white characters out of the story. Yeah. <laughs> you have, you have, you've yeah. solved one problem of racism, but introduced another. Okay, and yeah, like, then I, I definitely misspoke when I was saying that, because, like, I, obviously, it's, it, I guess it is a bit more complicated than just saying don't be racist, because you have to do... I, um, I think that making the Pevensies Middle Eastern definitely helps with that, because then you don't have the only Middle Eastern or equivalent representation being the evil people who worship the god of evil. Which, fun fact, there yeah. is a point in the last book where Aslan says, oh, but if you worship the evil god, but you were doing it, doing good things in his name, then secretly that was actually me the whole time. Yeah, which is, like... That minus the God of Evil part is actually like something Lewis expounded upon a lot. And I do think was like surprisingly open-minded as a Christian that he was like, yeah, you don't have to actually verbatim worship Christianity or be part of Christianity and worship Christ. As long as you do the good things and like own up, like own it to do the good things, you're good. You did it. But then, yeah, it's like, but yeah, it turns out then the, all of the non-white people worshiped, worshiped the God of Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 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 probably the, um the best way to solve the situation would be in like, first off, Tash is not the god of evil. He's not the Narnian equivalent of the devil. Um, and just have it be that there are, when there are Calarmines acting as the aggressors against Narnia, they are misinterpreting Tash's words. And then also have examples in the main plot of people misinterpreting Aslan's words and doing the same amount of aggressiveness, the same amount of aggression. See, I was going to come at it from another angle. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think trying to make, like, trying to remove the concept of, like, the devil is, like, I think that kind of, I'm not sure that works as well within the framework of the story. Like, just not removing the, like, the evil, like, the evil representation. <laughs> the evil representation. But I was going to more pitch it as, it's like, we, we pull a bit of something like the Witcher series, and instead of it being, like, an Arabic culture, we make it, like, vaguely Greco-Roman and then just race-blind casting, quote-unquote. Oh, yeah, just, absolutely. Like, we don't, we yeah. don't make it explicitly... We make it varied, but we don't make it, and here, and here's the brown people. Here's all the... Like, don't don't worry about them. Like, no, it's, like, whatever character design... Like, we let the we let the character designers go wild for with Calarmine. Mm-hmm. We just let them... Whatever you want to go for, go for it. Uh, and the rest of it is just Greco-Roman because no, who cares about the Greco-Romans? Exactly. <laughs> no one's going to be. How dare you besmirch the Gre- the Greeks and the Romans in one fell swoop? Um, They've earned that, it. Yeah, that would be that would be my pitch because then you could still have it that they were that they like worship this god of evil, and then that's not making a statement about a real like an implicit statement about a real world culture. Yeah, yeah. My mind goes to like some weird version of um, 
my mind goes to some weird version of Gnosticism for them. Yeah. Where they kind of like flip the script on Christianity about who's the good guys and who's the bad guys because they're like, oh, our world sucks. Let's get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> but that may, that's getting a bit too. Uh, yeah, the Calamines would definitely be the biggest, one of the biggest things requiring a lot of work. Like consultants. Yeah, because it's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we have ideas of how to fix it. But yeah, again, there's not a. If you want to adapt this story, there's not a good way to just carve it out and not put anything back in that doesn't potentially care perpetuate the issue at, at heart um mm-hmm. so yeah that's horse and his boy i get what you're saying about the dlc i'm just in my heart against that because it is my favorite minus the racism uh, i mean it can be free dlc Ooh, hmm, a scandalous proposition for the, for the AAA gaming world because we're going triple yes. a we're getting we're holding bethesda at gunpoint bethesda yeah bethesda <laughs> we're holding bethesda at gunpoint and they're publishing our chronicles of narnia game um <laughs> Yeah, it's just because that was that was just me parsing it into like where does it fit into the linear story? It really doesn't. It like takes course it takes course over the time skip that happens at the end of the first book. Yeah, that's fair. I see I see where you're coming with that. I just yeah, I like it enough that I wouldn't want people to not have it. Um which then leads to the other one you're you're proposing as DLC. And this one I would even argue outside of my personal feelings works well within the story because it is so critical to how like it is literally the origin of Narnia. That is the magician's nephew. It's how Narnia comes to be. Um, yeah, and yeah, is also just a re- <laughs> is another really good one. I think has Aslan's like soul. And there's so many good visuals. So many good visuals, and has like, like Aslan make his one joke across the entire series when they're like, but "What if my <laughs> uncle wants to come back to Narnia?" And he just like looks at the uncle. And he's like, "Do you think he wants to?" <laughs> 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 after because for those who have not read the book the joke the joke in that context is that the main character his uncle is like one of the two antagonists the other one being the white witch from lion the witch in the wardrobe uh and he and he like oh he's the one who's trying to be like this he's the titular magician and the main character is his nephew and he's just this super vain pompous old man who like really self-important and wants to you know just completely amoral asshole but then just gets a complete hit of payback in Narnia. To, like it's it's set up that all the other animals being born into Narnia don't recognize him as a man. So it's so and because he's so afraid, he doesn't realize that they're sapient. So they try they treat him like a tree. They like try to plant him in the ground nearly head first. Like the 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 text talks about that. Uh, oh, and that's actually a quick aside we did not bring up earlier. Whatever the dialogue system is like, I think there should be a narrator because. One of the joys of Chronicles of Narnia is is Lewis's narrative voice because it's actually really funny. Mm-hmm. What if the narrator was Eddie Izzard? Hmm. Ooh. Ooh. That I like that idea. Huh. Yeah. I don't. I'm not mad at that. I think. I. I, I guess my one thing about that is Izzard is usually a bit hammier, whereas I think the lines land a lot better if you if you imagine it's this very droll. Very, like, just very British, very proper. And then just, like, this random joke out of nowhere. Like, I, like, I don't know. I think, I like the idea, but I think that we'd have to, like, Izzer would have to tone herself. Because she goes by she right now, right? Yeah, yeah, she's, she's she, her, and trans and everything, and it's great. Yeah. Uh, I think she would have to tone down her usual hamminess a bit. Could still work, but, yeah, that would be my, my immediate reaction. Yeah. Although admittedly, I don't have a good replacement, so I don't have a better proposal. So I think you win. Like I, 
I did think of like maybe one of the doctors, but yeah, David. Tenenbaum, we get probably. all of them all at once. Uh, <laughs> David. Every every <laughs> book is narrated by a different doctor. Oh shit! No, actually, yeah, every book is just a different narrator. Uh, I think that would be interesting. We we were talking about oh, magician's nephew. Yeah. <laughs> so like the world that Jadis comes from is freaking amazing post-apocalyptic shit and probably the trippiest scene yeah because there's literally a red dwarf outside this planet like it's it's so fucking (laughs) it is crazy it is it is actually like chilling this that whole section yeah i'm totally on board with you for that Mm -hmm. one i think that could just be like some games just have like a complete tonal shift for a little bit like sometimes just into straight up horror i think this could be this game's turn into straight up horror for a bit that there's no combat barely any dialogue there's just and we again we let the we let the level designers go wild on that one of just yeah the creepiest shit that would be so radical and and it's silent because she froze that that world so she didn't freeze it she up the creepy factor too like yeah she yeah. didn't freeze it that was i think was, she killed everything the, in it and she used the deplorable word yeah that was yeah the yeah. deplorable word uh a very thinly veiled allegory for nukes um Yes. Uh, which can't get mad at, but like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that was the thing. Um, Look, it was the feeling at the time this book came out in 55, so the Cold War was pretty close to going hot. Yep. See, I think that would be, that would be Charn. That would have to be in there, just this creepy as hell level. That'd be so, that would be so awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess then, yeah, I guess this is the point, especially since we're nearing an hour here. Where we have to address the last book, the last battle, uh, and that one for the most part we like play a fairly straight adaptation with like our with our prior changes bleeding into it, like how however the Caller means are re- are rehandled. Uh, I, a specific section I'd like to take out is when Shift the Ape because the setup for God I just realized this whole thing is going to be indecipherable to anyone who has not ever in their life read or watched any of Narnia. We have not we barely stopped and explored any of the plot. Except in <laughs> except in short bursts. <laughs> Honestly, it's fairly uh, episodic. Yeah. <laughs> Look up synopses if you don't want to read them. Yeah, and it's 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 not it's not like super compl- complicated. It's not like it's not like Metal Gear, where if you try to look up a spoiler about why someone's British, you get the entire series ex- explained for you. <laughs> 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 Which I have not played Metal Gear, but that's one of my favorite things on the internet was that post about I wanted to know why this character had a British accent and accidentally spoiled the entire series for myself. <laughs> um. Is like, I think up to that, like, it would be fairly straightforward. And again, I mentioned averting the problem of Susan. Because I think whatever potential, like, thematic weight Lewis might have intended with a hypothetical eighth book, which I think he did want to write. But I'm also, like, I don't see how he ever could have. Because it wouldn't have been in Narnia. It would have been in the real world. And that was not the sort of book he usually wrote. Like, he would have... Someone, I, yeah. I've also heard a theory that it was also, like, part of it was going to be... um. Lewis pulling a Frank L. Baum, and part of it would be Susan writing the stories of Narnia, and the Narnia books were actually secretly... It was either written by Susan, or Susan explained all the stories to C.S. Lewis, and then C.S. Lewis wrote them. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that one is like... That one is definitely solid. That, that Lewis at least entertained the idea of a Nate Narnia book. Like, that is, that is pretty recorded at this point. But I am like, I'm not surprising that he ever wrote it, because, yeah, it would have been... I think really difficult. It, it would feel so weird, and it's not 
from his oeuvre, it's not the sort of book that he would have written. Yeah, like, no, exactly. That That's what, yeah, that's what I was saying. But most, anytime he got yeah. more banal, he was either writing a book about Christianity or writing a memoir. Like, honestly, this, uh, an eighth book focusing on Susan's journey back to Narnia would almost be something like, if this was written back in the 50s, it probably would have been a Graham Greene novel. Uh, Graham Greene was like one of his contemporaries who was a British... Um, the third Green brother. He actually on. wrote a lot of thrillers, but he was also, um, I think, a Catholic apologist. Interesting. Um, yeah, he wrote like Our Man in Panama and The Quiet American. Um, oh, what was his other book? On Brian Rock, which is considered like one of the first gangster, like British gangster books. Right. But he also wrote a lot about his own uh, complicated relationship with Catholicism. So I think he would have handled it better. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, th- I think we're getting, like, because one obvious question someone might pose is, well, why not add, like, an eighth section if you want to, if you don't want to just straight up cancel the problem of Susan, but it is, like, at that point, I would feel, and I don't like the idea of trying to write Lewis's eighth book for him, not that I think you were proposing that, but I think someone listening to this would be, like, thinking of that, like, oh, why not just do an eighth thing about Susan? I'm like, nah, something about that just kind of rings wrong to me, trying to write someone else's epilogue rather than just being in dialogue with the story they did write. Which, speaking of being in dialogue with the story they did write, to me, the what should be the culmination of, like, the dialogue system up to this point, and I think if, I think me proposing this would make Lewis stand up and do a backflip in his grave, but I, I do earnestly think this would be way more interesting and people would like a lot better, I think you have to have the option to turn down Aslan at the end of the last battle. His offer to like come to Narnia, like now, to, like to be in to be in paradise now. I think you. Ha- I think as the characters, you have to have the option. You're like, I'd actually like to go back onto Earth for a while. Like, I'm not. I don't like how you did this. I don't. I. I don't like this. Or even just have the option of I'm not ready. Uh, that's that's what I'm saying. I'm not proposing. I think it would be too dark if you had to. If the choice was literally. I would rather die that I would rather just die actually than this. I think that would be too dark. I think it would be either, yeah, you know what, let's do this. Or as as you've as you've put it now, like saying, like, no, nah, I'm not ready for this. Like I don't I don't like how you've set this up. I don't want to be here now. I'd rather be back there for a while longer. And I think that could even be a question Aslan asks. Because I don't think we need to make Aslan worse. I just think we need to give the the players a chance to like actually argue with them. Uh, and I think he could even ask, he's like, would you still do that choice if it, like, if it turned out there was no way to send you back without just casting you into oblivion? Like, if there, if you couldn't go back alive, you just went back and you were still dead. I think that could be something he asks, and that could be a yes or no by the player. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like, that is my, that to me would be the culmination of the Telltale style, set, like, dialogue trees. Would not be necessarily change how you got to the ending, but that final choice of, do you join Aslan in Aslan's country, do you say, no, I don't like this. I will not, like, I, Narnia is something that happened. Like, you do not say, like, I'm just going to say Narnia didn't happen, peace. Uh, but, like, <laughs> allow for that more ambiguity of, like, I don't like that I'm you can use this as an example, but kind of like the Keanu Reeves movie Constantine, where at the <laughs> end he's about to go to heaven, but then, but then Peter Stormare is like, nah, you're going to live a while, and then I'm going to get you because I'm the devil. Like, which I hate. I don't like that movie, so I don't like I'm using it as a point of comparison. But that to me would be like you could set up to let the player consciously make that choice. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Because that is. And like, like maybe a thing throughout these video games is like 
a, a thing for Aslan is that he gives you a lot more options yeah, so with what to do. I mean, to be fair, he ha- he does give options. I don't think there was ever a, like a part in the books where he literally... Well, he does pull people into Narnia, so that's moot. But <laughs> if he didn't pull you into Narnia, we wouldn't have the games. So I think we could forgive that. Um, but after that, it's like part of the point is that he doesn't force the Pevensies really into doing things. He lets them have the children or anyone else into doing certain things. He's like, hey, this is a good idea. I think you should do this. But nah, like go and do your thing. Which also I think clicks with Lewis's theology because he like even in Mere Christianity, yeah. hey, it was worth reading it. Um, <laughs> he He does talk a lot about how free will has to work. You know, he, he brings up sort of the, like, the automata argument. That, like, just a, a, a planet mm-hmm. full of beings with no free will would not have had a point. There wouldn't have been a point to any of it if we didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which also leans into, I think he was more favorable to the Arminian argument about grace, where it's like, it can be given to you or taken away, and you can choose to take it or reject it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I think, I think that again, roughly that has to be the, we have to allow the player the opportunity at the end to say like, nah, I don't, I don't accept this, at least not right now. As opposed to some characters just get it and some character, and one character in particular didn't. Yeah, this is, this is the choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that would make, that would make people be more amenable to the story, remove the, like, and I think players would be able to, (laughs) because it's no longer eight year old kids reading these stories it would be you know these fully grown adult players with this video game they would be able to handle christian theological debate and these nuanced arguments yeah (laughs) yeah uh yeah that would be sonic and the chronicles of narnia (laughs) coming to a store (laughs) you did it (laughs) that'd be sonic and the chronicles of narnia illustrated by harpy g a massive writing team that's not just white people um I think, yeah, I think that's, that is the essence of my pitch. I, I think we got all, I think we slaughtered all of the elephants in the room. They're dead. They're not coming back. Um, <laughs> did Nardi even have elephants? Yes, it did. That's, there was one in, there's one in Magician's Nephew and we just killed it. Great job, Tanner. Well, technically you did it. You're the one who brought them no, all I'm up. the guest. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> You've done nothing wrong you ever You invite in me into your house and treat me like this. <laughs> you come into my house, you kill my elephants. Yeah. You come into my house and kill my elephants. Is there anything else you y'all think we can address with this this weird Narnia adapt quote unquote adaptation when it's more just like doing whatever we want with it? Uh I I don't think I can add anything to this. <laughs> you added enough. <laughs> <laughs> it seems pretty good now. I still like that I came in and it's like, I'm ready because I read all the books. And then y'all were like, what's up? We studied history and theology. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so anyways. All right. I guess if we're done, then we're going to go see a friendship promo. That was my sonic voice. <laughs> you're, you're getting the part. Ring, ring. Hello. Sega? You're on the line. <laughs> Mr. Sega, president of Sega? <laughs> yes, they're right here. Tanner, it's for you. Click, click, click. This Hello? Bob Saget, president of Sega? <laughs> Why, sure. I'd love to be the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> What's that? The next game is rated M for Mature? I can do that. <laughs> Shit. My only demand is that the entire workforce be unionized. <laughs> Sonic says workers' rights. 
Remember, kids, the stock market is a scam. So Sonic says, eat the rich. I, I do I do unironically love that one meme that's just Sonic shrugging with all the trans rights gear. <laughs> Turf, is it slur used to silence you? I wish it worked. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> my name is Christina. And my name is Emma. And welcome to Faithful. This is a podcast where we talk about faith and religion and spirituality, but in the context of our favorite popular media. And sometimes also whether or not it's actually effective. Listen, we try and be positive, but sometimes <laughs> stuff is just bad. But we love what we talk about most of the time, regardless. We talk about the entire concept of faith within the Adventure Zone balance. <laughs> we talked about the Power Rangers comic, for God's sake. Honestly, just if, if you've heard of it, we're probably going to talk about it at some point. Check us out. We come out on the first and third Sunday of every month, just in time for church. We are on Twitter at FaithfulPods. That's with two L's and an S at the end. Keep, Keep the, the faith! faith. Um, alright, I feel like I would have fit a friendship promo in there somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright, so Theo, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. This wasn't nearly as much of a shitpost as I expected. I, it was a lot more of a shitpost in, in some ways what you proposed would happen happened before I got on the show as I started taking it seriously. It was going to start <laughs> as a shit. I literally got even a bit that I didn't have a good means of bringing up and at this point I'd have to explain too much in the background but I wanted to figure out a way to make a reference to like my current favorite anime halfway through Prince Caspian <laughs> I just as I was gearing up for this I'm like is this just going to be an hour's worth of Kingdom Hearts of Forgotten Era intro gags <laughs> and that was only that's only 15 minutes total and we'll upload a compilation to YouTube later <laughs> Anyway, speaking, uh, speaking of Kingdom Hearts of Forgotten Era, an actual play written about 80 years before the birth of Sigma, by Riven, where can you be found on the internet, Theo? Uh, I can be found at four whole moons. That's four is in the number spelled out. Whole is in not half in moons, as in that thing in the sky that the government is using to listen in on us. Um, you, <laughs> uh, my, I also have a website, www.theodoremonk.com. There's not really anything on it yet, because I honestly should probably put more stuff on it, but it's what I use for my... Uh, attempts at getting published as a fantasy author. Uh, my biggest current claim to fame is being on the podcast Kingdom Hearts of Forgotten Era, currently transitioning into the title Forgotten Eras as we sort of branch out into other RPGs. Uh, you can find that Twitter at KH underscore AFE. Uh, it's a really good podcast, and it's a good podcast in spite of my contributions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. It's a lot of goodness. Uh, in some ways... It's in the spirit of Narnia, because I maintain that Lewis was the first interstitial player. And you know what? We'll, we'll have to forgive interstitial that in some regard. A, you're not wrong. B, all the Martin Narnia movies are on Disney+. Plus. <gasps> I gotta go. <laughs> They're what? <laughs> yeah, this yeah, this was super fun. Thanks for having me on. If you, ever, if you ever want more chaos back on, I literally came up with three more reboot ideas while I was thinking of Narnia. Oh, good. <laughs> so yeah, let me know if you ever let me know if you ever got some time to kill and just need another need need a regular heal for the show. <laughs> Sonic's Inferno. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we were gonna do the Muppets Inferno. I still don't. That's right. I still don't understand the desire for a Muppet Great Gatsby. I think people just forgot how it ended. I mean, it doesn't have to end the same way. But like, doesn't it though? <laughs> <laughs> 
What if what if it's a movie about the Muppets trying to make the Muppets create Gatsby? Okay, that I would fucking watch immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we have another episode to record! <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Lindsay, where can people find you on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. Yeah, you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Boot You First, and they're pro- I have to find a notable quote or noise from Narnia. Do not quote the ancient reboots to me, which I was there when they were pitched. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can also send an email to us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite Pevensey. <laughs> or your favorite flavor of Turkish Delight. Yeah. It's not that bad, people. It's marshmallows. Which, which Narnia <laughs> yes. character will be in Smash? Ooh. Which Narnia character will be in Marvel vs. Capcom 5? <laughs> uh... Our email is where you can also send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip, or proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast, your YouTube, even your DeviantArt. You can even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea, because we like being surprised. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash first, where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including a weekly shout-out for all our patrons, including Charlie, Cassidy, Christina, Julia, Rem, and Theo. Hey, that's you! Hey, what, 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 wait a minute, I gotta go call the IRS! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that being said, well, we're well aware that times are rough for everybody, and if you don't want to give that money to a, a podcast that makes more, a lot of sense, uh, you give it to yourself so you can pay rent and buy food. Or invest in stocks, um, and just in general, uh, be keep an eye on your representatives and senators and government people to make sure they're not trying to sneak in things that would be like, hey, what if people couldn't play in the stock market anymore? Or hey, what if we had to look at your generals before you decide if you get to go to school? You know, make sure shit like that doesn't happen. Um, but anyways, it is just as helpful to support us by leaving a rating and review of us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake. You can contact us to find out how to contact him if you like music of his own for your own. So, Lindsay, we have another guest next week. Yes. It's for Valentine's Day. Huh? Aww. And you know what? This bad boy can fit so many genres into it, and also somehow all of them are allegories to being gay. Okay. Wait, it's, wait a minute, it's Narnia again. <laughs> well, you shall have fun and eat a lot of chocolate. Woo! Yes. Uh, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. Bye. Bye.